0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. If you had the opportunity to listen into to a heartfelt prayer of a Bible writer, what would you say? Today, you have that opportunity with the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk lived in a time when God's people were wandering, and his desire was that they return to God. They thought they were okay, but prophet knew otherwise. His prayer for his people is also his prayer for you. He prays that God will revive and renew his people and ignite them with the fire of God. That's a great prayer for you. So let's join Pastor Jim and Habakkuk chapter three in part one of his message, Praying with a Prophet for Revival.
1: Did you ever get a gift from someone and forget to open it? Maybe you just put it somewhere and then maybe you put something in a pile and you put something else on top of it and you just forgot about it. Then one day you found it and you opened it up and you focused on the gift and you realized it was absolutely an amazing gift. The word of God gives us number numerous amazing gifts, but sometimes some of these gifts are often missed. And one of them is that the Bible records many prayers of the great men and women of the faith. Yet prayer in the American church seems to me to be very different than prayers in the Bible. We seem to range from non-existent to overly emotional to hyper-spiritual to materialism to kind of just going through the motions. And it's very important for us to, when we come to the prayers in the Bible, to work through them and to study them, uh, to hear the Lord's heart on prayer, and also to help us find strength and direction in prayer. That's why we're going to look even more at this in a different way than we are today. Such a study will help us to improve our praying for God's glory, which is the most important part of all, and for our own personal good. Now, many of you have heard the illustration of dropping a frog into a pot of boiling water. And what happens is either the frog jumps out or the frog dies right away. But if you put a frog into a pot of cool water and then you turn up the heat slowly, usually the frog will stay there as it's dying a slow death without realizing what's happening. And often the great men and women of the faith, especially the prophets in the word of God, realized that the people of God were the frog in the pot that was slowly boiling. That they had adapted to the culture that they were living in in terms of the bad practices. I'm not against culture. Culture is a great thing. I love the rich culture of so many of the people in our church. Like whenever somebody you know, has, a, has a dish they make or something like that, I, I absolutely love that. And so I, I'm all for culture, but the sinful things of the culture often is killing the faith of God's people and that is often recorded in the scriptures. And the prophets knew uh, that, that at times God saw his people, even though they were attending the temple, God saw his people at times more pagan than pure. And even though they were religious, it had no change on the way they were living, on the way that they worshipped, on anything really outside of what they were doing when they were in the temple. Remember, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Isaiah chapter one, where the Lord said, you know, you keep coming into church, but actually it's making me sick because I know what's really going on in your hearts. Now, the American church will often come along and, and, and say things like, well, we need more teaching, and that's probably true. We, or they'll say, we need more evangelism. That's a big one. We want to evangelize the people in the church who are not really Christians, and I, and I get that. Uh, studies show that only about 2 to 4%, I actually think 4% is on the high side, of people who pray the prayer to invite Jesus into their heart last more than a few years. Most people, sometimes they don't even last the, by the end of the week. Other people say, well, we need more uh, church programs and ministries. <laughs> I'd be one of the of, in the camp of that's probably a big part of the problem. And self-help church is not really what we need. And this is something I've really noticed in the current environment we find ourselves in. I think all of these programs that we have is part of the reason why the government considers us to be non-essential. You say, what do you mean? I think they think that we're more of a club. I think that they, they, we, they think we're more of a self-help place or kind of a hobby than an essential service to people. Others will say, well, it's, it's all Hollywood's fault. You know, the sexual revolution, it, it, it's politics, it's social issues, it's the self-centered culture, and those are all real symptoms of the real problem. What's the real problem? Well, I'll just say one of them is, and you may agree with me, this is at the top of the list, or it's got to be somewhat near the top of the list. We don't know God well enough. And that's really a big problem. We can't get our arms around his love and his holiness. We have to hold the two of those in very tight tension. He loves us, but yet he's very holy and very pure. And here's part of the problem, if not a huge part of the problem, the big part of the problem for a lot of people who would say that they're Christians, they can't get their arms around, they'll tout God's love, they can't get their arms around his holiness and they're okay with it. It doesn't really bother them. Now, knowing God in a, in a deep and intimate way will help sort out a lot of the issues of our lives, as well as it will help us to speak truth into the lives of others. See, the problem really is, is if the desire to know God more deeply is missing in our lives, even though we might call ourselves Christians, we will be reaching for God's blessings instead of what? Instead of actually reaching for God. And it's a big, big difference. You know, do you ever have a friend who they only call you when you need something? Well, we don't want to be that way with God. It's been said when it comes to prayer in the the American church that the American church knows how to organize, but it doesn't know how to agonize. So we can organize prayer meetings, but are we really agonizing in our prayer meetings? It's been said of the American Church of Our Services that our services are very good at entertaining, but we're not very good at worshiping. The title of our message today is Praying with a Prophet for Revival. And I pray, the Holy Spirit begins to touch all of us with a new vision for honest and humble prayer and really understanding what it means to pray for revival. Now, the prophet Habakkuk lived about 600 BC, and it was about that time that the people of God in Judea and Jerusalem was part of that area. They were frogs in the slow heat pot, and it was boiling. It was really starting to boil. For a while now, uh, they had been sucked into the culture after a period of time when there were reforms under King Josiah. Everything wasn't perfect, but it was moving in a good direction. And what was happening to them? Without the reforms of King Josiah, and we should never have to need some person around to get us to live for God. That's not a, that's not a good thing. And so, despite the reforms, they were sucked into. They were getting sucked into the culture after Josiah was gone. And so they were now they were spiritually dying. In chapter one, Habakkuk bluntly came to God and said, "You got to fix this." I mean, he saw what was going on. He was a godly man. He's like, you got you to fix this. And God said, I will. I'll send the pagan Babylonians. That's right. Habakkuk didn't like the idea. God said, I will let people who are 100% completely against everything that heaven stands for discipline my people because of why because of my love and because of my holiness, because I want to bring them back to the place where they can know me more deeply. Well, that was chapter one. In chapter two, verse four, the Lord said, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So he begins to, the Lord begins to tell Habakkuk that the true people of God, are going to live faithfully trusting God even when the Babylonians come in and conquer them and he then said at the end of chapter 2 which we looked at last week the Lord said and let me deal with the Babylonians i will take care of them and chapter 2 ended with chapter 2 verse 20 but the Lord in his holy temple let uh, the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silence before him. Now, when we come into chapter three, there's a big change that goes on. Habakkuk is no longer looking at the problem from his point of view. You know how we tend to see only see the problem from our point of view? He's no longer looking at the problem from his point of view, but from heaven's point of view, and that changes absolutely everything for Habakkuk. Chapter three is God's answer to Habakkuk's heart-wrenching questions. What were the questions? Why do the righteous suffer? Why do you seem so silent, God? And why in the world did you pick Babylon? But what's interesting is the answers do not come out of God's mouth. Rather, they come out of the mouth of the praying prophet. That's how much he's changed between chapter one and chapter three, merely with that statement, but the just shall live by his faith. In fact, at the end of chapter three, which we're not getting to today, it's one of the most moving statements of faith and trust in the entirety of the Bible, but it comes out of true prayer. Sometimes we'll say this statement, we'll say, "Well, prayer changes us. I agree. Prayer does change us. We're actually going to see it in the life of Habakkuk, and I have been honest with you, it is most unexpected. In that sense, when we say that prayer changes us realize this, loved ones, prayer can be dangerous. It can be really dangerous. True prayer does away with vending machine God. You know, vending machine God. You go up to the vending machine and you just tell God what you want. You don't put any money in, it costs you nothing. Everything's free. You know, E5, great husband. You know, e, you know, E2, great job. All, all these kinds of things, and it just drops down and you take it and you, you go your merry way. No, no, prayer is dangerous. Why? Because in prayer, God will often reveal the truth to you, and you might not like it. In fact, you might barely even be able to believe what it is that you're hearing. So he begins verse one. He says, "It says a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet." On some verses say according to uh, Shigenoth or Shig, Shigenoth. You know how you go on those, you go on the internet to learn how to pronounce words, and three different things pop up. You can listen to. You're like, oh great, and all three pronounce it differently. Well, this is one of those words. There, it's probably a a musical term. A look at the last line of the book, chapter three. It says to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. So it's, it's a prayer, and it's a, a song, so it's really written like a psalm. And worship and prayer is the proper response to what Habakkuk is learning about God, or what we might call the revelation of God to his servant, the prophet. And it's also worship and prayer is the proper response to God's astonishing actions or what we might call the mighty works of God his prayer is one now of submission chapter one he was complaining chapter two there was more listening right as his as his heart and his mind was changing he was being renewed the renewing of his mind was taking place as the scripture says and so now his prayer is one of submission to God's judgments and God's rulings in the face of perplexing realities of things he just didn't really totally understand. And friends, I have to be honest with you, I'm, I'm saddened sometimes by what I hear from people, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, is We have great passion when we're upset with God. We have great passion when we want God to do something, but we really don't have much passion when God wants us to be submissive to him. And and Habakkuk is passionate about being submissive to God as he prays, even though he might not agree with what God's doing, but as we're gonna see today, he gets it. Yes, we've learned chapter one that we can unload our feelings on God, but then there must come a time for chapter two, verse 20, for us to be silent. The world's situation, remember we covered that Babylon was just rolling over everybody. I mean, they just... They had raised, been raised up as a world superpower, and they were also called the Chaldeans, and they were just rolling over everybody. They just it's like a like like a car running over running over everything in in its path, and the world situation was in a disaster. and And we do well to model the prophet's thoughts, attitudes, and prayer in our day because our world right now is in a disaster. And we have many of the same questions that Habakkuk had. Why is this happening? Yet, I wonder do we lack a key question to getting to the place where Habakkuk is? What would that question be? Lord, what's wrong with your people? Not what's wrong with the world. Lord, what's wrong with your people? You see, Habakkuk desperately wanted what we call revival. He wanted revival in the land and many of us are praying for revival. Now, before you say amen, he's gonna challenge us, are we really praying for revival? Here's a very, very deep question Heartfelt, soul-searching question. If we really want revival, how do we feel about the fact that God may want to use a terrorist group to bring it? Because that's what he's doing in Israel right now. That's what he's doing in Judea right now in southern Israel. He is going to bring in terrorists to bring revival into his land. How do we, how do we feel if God wants to use a pandemic to bring revival. And there were periods of plagues in, 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 in the Bible where God said to his people, I'm serious about this stuff. You know, they were complaining about, we looked at a couple weeks ago or months ago where you know, the people were complaining about everything and, and God sent serpents because his people just, they needed to be brought back to, to him. What if God wants to use a time of great pain in in his people to bring about revival? And before we get too high and mighty on our horse, you may be sitting at home going, well, that's why I don't go to church. Church is made up of Christians. And so by all of us not following God, or the church collectively not following God, or getting going down a different path or that path by following the ways of the culture. What will God have to do to bring us back? I know this is very anti-American church, but we all know right now that times are bad. We all know that there's a high probability that they could get worse either with this Virus, or economically or other ways. But the question is, will you, will I, will we live by faith in such difficult times or will we abandon ship? So verse two is a stick of dynamite in our way of thinking. Now, some of you are like, oh, this is, this is going rough here, Pastor Jim. I, I'm just, I, verse by verse, line by line, what it is, it is. O oh Lord, he says, verse two, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Let's just stop there for, for one second. I've heard your speech and I was afraid. A lot of Bible versions, more versions put it this way. I have heard the report of you. I have heard of your fame. Typically when they would talk about that, they would be thinking of being taken out of Egypt with Moses I stand in awe of your deeds. We almost get the feeling that Habakkuk says, Lord, I've heard about you all my life. I'm a good little Jewish boy. My parents raised me in the faith and I heard about you all my life. But now, now I see. I love this. Right before our very eyes, Prophet, a prophet, Habakkuk, is growing in the faith. Now, that should be very encouraging to all of us. That's evidence of us. You don't have to arrive to serve the Lord. You can start right wherever you are to serve God. And he's growing. His faith is developing. His prayer is becoming confident by being aware of God's work in the past. What does that tell us? He's a Bible reader. He's a Bible reader. Once again, we see, we've said this many times on Wednesday nights, eyes off the problems and fixed on the Lord. Eyes off the problem Doesn't mean we're not going to deal with them at some point. But if we want God's wisdom, eyes off the problems, put them over there for a second, and eyes on the Lord. And what does that do? That makes him afraid of the Lord That makes him stand in awe of the Lord and it makes him confident in the Lord. So for the Old Testament saints, which Habakkuk is one of them, the men and women of faith of the Old Testament, their eyes were on the saving power of God from Egypt during the Exodus. For us, it is our eyes are on the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But this kind of understanding is not limited to a prophet. It's not limited to an apostle. A personal relationship with God is available to everyone. In the scripture, the fear of the Lord, which the scripture says is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge, or or the terror of the Lord can actually feed our faith. It leads us to a deep respect and reverence for God that is long-lasting. I know that doesn't seem to make sense, but it does. Habakkuk's focus on an all-powerful and all-knowing God who hates sin but offers the forgiveness of sin gives him great confidence and great hope. In the Old Testament, they sacrifice the animals for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there would be an element of faith, otherwise you're just going through the motions. In the New Testament, it is the sacrifice of God's son. Again, the same thing, there must be an element of faith that goes with it. Now, let's think for a second about the people of God who left Egypt. If you know the story, if you don't, you can read about them in the in, uh, books two through five of the Bible, and uh, you'll realize that um, they were a bunch of whining, complaining sinners who God still loved and he offered them grace but their unbelief still cost them 40 years in the wilderness God still needed to do something to help them to grow put all of this together and I think we're beginning to see that Habakkuk's effective prayer, and you could say this for all effective prayer, is marked by humility without ignoring reality.
0: Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Change by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you or I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, changedbyloveradio.org.